0: And to take the Lord's Supper, and these acts are more robust when done together. Join us Sunday evenings at 5 p.m. in downtown Winston Salem at 600 Holly Avenue. So Psalm 46 is is probably the probably the best known verse in this uh, in this psalm is verse 10, which says, "Be still." and know that I am God. And it's a psalm that has two major aspects to it. The smaller aspect is the comfort that we can gain right now in the peace-giving power of God. But the psalm also has this broader aspect that ties into now but also into the redemptive future of all of God's people and points more broadly to the restoration of all things just as as God originally designed them. So we can be comforted by God's power to be near us and offer his peace. And we can be comforted to know that God, across time and space, will be near and and will offer complete shalom. Uh, Psalm 46 is a song, and it's a song with two sections, basically two stanzas, and they're sung each ending with this little refrain. There's verses 1 through 7. And then there's verses 8 through 11. And they each end with the phrase, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's a song that brings comfort to acute situations, like we're going through right now, uh, and Mm -hmm. other times in church history. And it's a song about the future, the complete peace that we anticipate in Christ. So, I want to start with the wide angle and then zoom into our situation today. Uh, this psalm is about Zion, which is the name that is uh often given to the ultimate given to the ultimate city of God. It's named after a mountain uh it talks about we always often hear about Mount Zion, this place where the New Jerusalem will be and uh this this psalm being around about that that Zion that New Jerusalem, that new city of the new heavens and new earth, uh, is referenced in verse 4. Verse 4 is talking about the city of God with a river flowing through it. And it says it's a river that makes the heart glad. And it doesn't really say how it makes hearts glad, but thankfully, if we go to another part of the Bible, we can get that, which is Revelation 22, the very last chapter of the Bible, tells us about that river in Zion. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. God dwells in this city, and in many ways, God is the city. Uh, We live in him, or as verse one says, God is our refuge This is a very confusing uh, idea theologically. How is God our house? Where is God? Where is Zion? Like I said, Zion is a name for the city that combines heaven and earth together. And we, we know that God created the earth, but sometimes we forget that he called it good. The earth is not a place that we despise or just seek to escape. Although Paul in his letters does talk about us wanting to move away from this world. Uh, but that's different than thinking that the earth is a good creation that just needs renovation. Eden was this place where heaven and earth, God and human, the spiritual and the physical all melted together in one space. And Zion is the place where heaven and earth, God and human, the spiritual and the physical, All melt together. You can see in Psalm 46, I think it might be in verse 6, yeah, it says the earth melts. This idea of of melting together into one space. Zion's the place where those things come back together. And right now, we can sense that those places are not together. That heaven and earth are separated. Earth is obviously easy for us to comprehend, but, but heaven is difficult. The Bible talks about heaven like it's a far-off place. Uh, In the book of John, it calls it a house with many rooms. In the book of Hebrews, it talks about it as a distant land in which we have citizenship. But we also know that heaven is close. Uh, In the book of Luke, it says that it's a paradise that Jesus went to that day with the thief on the cross. Mm -hmm. So there's some mystery that Christ would be Mm -hmm. in this spiritual paradise for three days while his body remained in the tomb. And then he returned to his body, but then he went in body and spirit to that paradise. So it must be something that God, at least, is able to get to because it's not that far off. So there's a sense that heaven is another realm, but that perhaps that realm is just a dimension that we're veiled from accessing more than it is so far from us. All this makes sense when we read verses like 1 Corinthians 15, that tells us that these bodies that we have right now will be resurrected forever in the new heavens and the new earth. Isaiah 65 says that this soil that we walk on, this earth that we grow things in, that the mountains that we see and the oceans we swim in, they're going to all be broken down by God, but they're going to be reformed. That material is going to be used to make a new creation. In Revelation 21, which comes right before that passage I read about the river, describes heaven sort of lowering itself to the earth, merging the two into one city that sounds more like a garden than a metropolis. Mm -hmm. Psalm 46 is this poetic cantation imagining this future, that through destruction, like it says in Isaiah 65, God will crumble the old forms, but he'll use that material to make a beautiful stream in a refuge that he calls his home. And we will live there too. It's a place where when his booming voice goes out, the mountains don't shake. It's a place where there's no more foolish wars or self-interested governments that instead of spears, instead of guns, instead of chariots, instead of battleships, These things are tossed on a fire, and they leave behind only ashes and smoke. It's a good future we have, and we taste it a little each week through the church. Mm -hmm. Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually wrote on Psalm 46, and he knows something about being isolated from his church. He was put in a Nazi imprisonment in a concentration camp, uh, from 19, uh, in the, in the mid 1940s until his, uh, his execution right before the end of World War II. So he was isolated from his freedom to worship because of that imprisonment. And he wrote what Mount Zion and the temple were for the Israelites, the church of God through the world is for us, the church where God always dwells with his people in word and sacrament. The church will withstand all enemies. And here he's referring to Psalm 46. It's imprisonment Mm -hmm. under the powers of the godless world will come to an end. There's a difference between our circumstances and Bonhoeffer's. We're choosing out of love of neighbor to not gather in large groups, and he Mm -hmm. was imprisoned. But in both, there's this aching brokenness in creation that's preventing God's people from enjoying him and each other fully. This isn't to ignore that many of us are food insecure. I'm not. I I shouldn't put myself in that category, but my brothers and sisters in this very city are. Uh, There's people who are struggling with wages, and of course there's people facing severe illness and anxiety. But that doesn't mean we need to completely despise our current home. Even in this time of brokenness and disease, we can enjoy good food, music, and friendship. Mm -hmm. I've played with my kids more. I got an email from a friend today from our church who sent a poem that he wrote. People are giving up on social media so they can engage in this world more. In some ways, I think we're becoming more fully human. Even our ability to do what I call... This this is even... I guess what I'm trying to say is even as we try... Uh, to do our human activities like work and school and church, but those are being compromised, we're actually finding these other ways to be more human, more aware of our food Mm -hmm. and our home and the people around us. At times in church history, in moments of crisis, people have turned to things like Psalm 46, and, and those types of prayers have led to spiritual renewal, including during Bonhoeffer's time. The German church was perhaps never stronger than during World War II. In Zion, we're going to have elements of the earth. The good things will continue. Food, music, poetry, laughter, deep thought will all be in Zion. And when we indulge in those things now, we're tasting Zion. Mm -hmm. When we indulge in food and music and poetry and laughter and deep thought, And also the thing we're being deprived of right now, which is physical fellowship with each other. But the earth is not yet Zion because we don't have the heavenly elements yet. Zion has some of earth, but earth and heaven are not Zion yet. Hmm. So for now, our spirits find refuge in God, but our bodies do not. In a spiritual sense, we find shelter in God if we're still As it says in Psalm 46, verse 10, our spirits can find his power, and we feel him as a very present help in trouble. In a far-off sense, we don't need to fear, but also we don't have to fear now. Christ is present to help us in the Holy Spirit. The God who wrestled with Jacob, who's referenced in, I think it's verse 7 and also verse 11, that the God of Jacob, the one who actually came down and physically wrestled with him, is the same God who in the flesh came as Christ and is here with us in spirit through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We might lose our jobs. We might lose our homes. We might lose our health. But perhaps in that we will regain our perspective of what it means to be a human. That we were made to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We were made not to have investments or to watch Netflix. We were made to read scripture. We were made to uh, pray. We were made to converse regularly with God. We were made to cook. We were made to garden. We were made to work. We were made to write poetry, all so that we can, in every single moment of our life, enjoy God. Mm -hmm. And perhaps this crisis will wake us up to the ways that we don't spend our days enjoying God. Our jobs, our investments, our hobbies, they're not bad, but they can seem principal in our life when they're not. Lent is a season of reflection to remind us that we're not just people who believe in God. We are people who believe in a crucified God. Mm -hmm. Lots of us describe ourselves as spiritual or that we believe in God. This is not a foreign virus as it's been described. It's a native virus. Like all maladies in our world, it's from humans. This Lent, we're going to be stir crazy, we're going to be bored, and it will squeeze us to see our addiction to sports and social media and consumerism and distraction. Already for me, I've I've just been so stir-crazy just in the last three days that I've never before looked at articles on ESPN more. And yet huh. there is no news because all sports are canceled. I have just looked on Amazon for things. Not, not things I need, just, just things because I feel bored. I'm just looking for distraction. I'm so addicted to my phone and to watching sports and finding outlets uh, that I'm shamed when I'm stuck in my house all day. And what a better season to break that uh, could there be than Lent. Our sister church, Trinity Church, posted a great list of suggestions for us over the next few uh, weeks. The first suggestion, there's eight, is meditate on God's Word daily with prayer. Read theology. Listen to sermons and podcasts. Make a point to interact with people in the church in appropriate ways, like Ben said, over FaceTime, uh, calling folks, going on walks. Spend time outside and limit your consumption of news and social media. I love the phrase social media distancing. Not only that people are doing social distancing, but getting away from From social media and type of redundant articles. (laughs) Read books and watch movies that portray what is good, beautiful, and true. And then they wrote a caveat. Don't just pass the time with junk. (laughs) Listen to beautiful music. Start a home project that you've been meaning to get done. Find ways to serve your neighbors. And of course, call elders if you are in need. I want to see these logs of foolishness burned up and replaced with prayer and a love of God's word afresh. Thankfully, I don't need to do that work myself because Christ himself has broken his body to show me his love and presence in my life. Christ broke his body and he spilled his blood like a stream that brings gladness to a city. When Psalm 46 says, the earth melts, That doesn't mean that the good stuff will be destroyed. It means in Christ, the feeble things of this world, like terrible music and junk reading and binge-watching television and fear about investments will be melted away. And good stuff, like prayers we share with friends and insights we gain from reading scripture, will survive that fire. May we soon regather at the table of Christ, a renewed people whose poetry and affections and love of the word are strong, and that our obsessions and addictions are melted away afresh.